MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The 2020 MLB season will be one like any other that we have seen before. A 60-game sprint in just over two months to decide who will be playing in October in a format that lends itself to the unpredictable. But that's where Greg Peterson comes in. He's got you covered daily, highlighting elements and angles that will be essential to know along with his picks with every single game on every single day. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting podcast with Greg Peterson. Hey, warm hello. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We have reached that time in which now we are into the postseason of the Major League Baseball season, and we're going to have Danny Burke of the Vegas Sets and Information Network. He hosts a new show on their Rush Hour. He also hosts the show Bet on Chicago on the radio side. He's going to be joining me in the final two segments, since obviously we don't have any games for Monday, but we're going to be talking to him in one part of the conversation about the National League Wild Card Round Series, and then we're going to go to the American League in the other part of that conversation. So we're going to have a lot of fun there, and as always on this podcast, I do like to be able to give you 
questions to your Twitter questions. If you fire those into my Twitter timeline, at GRNSquarty1. Now, if you send these via direct message, aka DM, well, the letter CM to me, me does not matter, but you can also send in an Apple Podcast review, send in your questions, comments, concerns, what have you there, and then if you wind up rating five stars on this podcast, well, you actually do a very good job of being able to help promote this podcast. It's a very powerful way of being able to help me do what I do a little bit easier, so I always appreciate you guys that wind up doing that, and we did wind up getting in a great question for this podcast. Let's dive into it. So you have questions and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. And today's Twitter mailbag is brought to you by my good friends at MyBookie because with MyBookie, they realize that all the sports are in swing right now. You're going to have the Masters in golf coming up in a little bit over a month. You've obviously got the Major League Baseball postseason starting up this week. You've got the Stanley Cup final in the NHL that's still going on, NBA playoffs, football, both college and pro are back in our lives. And we're going to get a little bit more college football a little bit later. College basketball is going to be starting up in November, and they want to help you maximize all your bets by offering you a deposit bonus whenever you make a deposit and use the promo code GREG. That is my name, G-R-E-G. This applies on your first deposit with my bookie up to $1,000. You get it double, dollar for dollar. Rollover does apply, but you're able to bet on all those sports. They do a great job of offering an expansive menu when it comes to player props. You're able to put out there a bunch of parlays, futures, what have you, if you think that teams are going to be able to win these series in Major League Baseball for those postseason series. Obviously, you're able to go with series prices when it comes to the other postseason races are going on as well. You've got all those options available to you. So, a big thanks to my friends at MyBookie for giving you guys that. And I was talking on my Twitter timeline to someone that was mentioning how I wind up coming about the picks I do if I have a set formula. As you guys know, the best way to be able to get that is by listening to this podcast every single day whenever we've got games up on the board because Let's face it, every single game, in my opinion, is a living, breathing entity. I have spoken that on this podcast quite a bit. But that also came about a very good question that I do feel like needs to be answered. And for full transparency... This is being answered today both on the college basketball and the baseball podcast just because I do think that it's very important in both sports and I do think that it is absolutely terrific to be able to give an answer to this. I know that some of you guys listen to both. I've got separate audiences for a few of these as well, so I feel like this is a very good catch-all. We get this in from Billy Charlie Boyes. Hopefully I'm saying that one correctly. You can follow my Twitter at Pacman888 and Pac is spelled P-A-K and if I wound up butchering your last name, I truly do apologize. But he has that GNR score D1. Do you ever feel the need to go away from your model? Are you a strict model guy when it comes to your handicapping? Appreciate all of your hard work. And this is something in which I really think it's so important that you not be completely tethered to your model. Just because there are some things that on a stat sheet, when it comes to putting things into a set formula, that you're not going to be able to take into account. Let's look at the Major League Baseball playoffs, for example. We've got a series that's going to be coming up between the Cleveland Indians and the New York Yankees. Obviously, you really don't have a whole lot of revenge there. Last time these two teams wound up facing off against each other in the postseason, I think that you wound up having like Java Chamberlain on the mound swatting away all those bugs and everything like that. 
there's really not much of bad blood when it comes to that series. But when you take a look at something like the Oakland A's versus the Houston Astros, we all remember what happened earlier in the year with the batting coach of the Houston Astros chirping at Ramon Laureano. That's something that I'm certainly going to be factoring into my handicapping. You might see an extra base on balls or two because you might have a couple guys throwing at each other. You might wind up having a player ejected from the game, even though it is a postseason game. That's something that is certainly worth noting. When it comes to the college basketball side of things, during the 2019 NCAA tournament, I picked Virginia to win it all. Obviously, they did. They weren't my number one power-ranked team, though. That would actually be Gonzaga. I had Gonzaga versus Virginia actually in the national championship for that season, but the reason why I wound up going with Virginia, even though they were my lower power-ranked team, and Obviously, it wound up that Gonzaga didn't wind up reaching the national championship after all, but just looking at what I was expecting from that matchup, if both were to get there because that's how I filled out my bracket, I just thought that with Virginia having lost a year before to the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, having most of those guys back, the revenge factor, just being able to make amends, being a little bit of a team of destiny. That's what put Virginia over the top when it came to power ranking that college basketball tournament. Obviously, it wound up going very well for me there. And there's just human psychology in general that needs to be taken into account. We heard on this podcast our good buddy with Milwaukee Brewers pre and post game work, Matt Pauly, talking about how Josh Lindblom is right now going through his wife being in the hospital dealing with, I believe it was COVID, he said. I'm not 100% sure. It might be something else, so don't quote me on that, but she is certainly in the hospital. She is dealing with things. As we know, when it comes to college basketball, you've got 18 to 22-year-olds, and hey, like some sort of a bad breakup or something like that, that could completely alter a guy's mindset, you have to take that into account if you have that information available to you. So I really do think that there are times in which you need to stray away from your model. You have to realize that these are people too. At the same time, you can't just go way away from your model and think, oh, a team that's led by Greg Peterson at the point guard spot is going to be able to knock off Duke or anything like that. But we know that when like walk-ons come in towards the end of college basketball games, say that the spread is 21, it's a 20-point game, there's usually a time in which that walk-on is really feeling it. He gets that shot up. He winds up swishing it. Boom, there goes your bet. So there is a lot of that that goes on. I really do think that you need to take the human element into account. You don't just completely throw away everything. You don't be like, ah, this team is so much better. But you know what? Little Johnny is wanting to go up there and he's going to hit a home run. And because he wants to hit a home run, he certainly is going to. But at the same time, it is something in which you have to sort of take into account. So hopefully that was a good answer for you guys. It is something in which I think is so big when it comes to handicapping, just being able to find that right balance of being able to trust in your numbers at the same time taking human emotion, human element into account as well. So hopefully I gave you guys a good answer there. If there is ever a question that you'd like answered on this podcast, like I said, Twitter timeline at Jaren Squirty One, or you could send it via an Apple Podcast review. Now let's take a look back at the last day of the regular season in Major League Baseball. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better going into the postseason. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The Brewers wind up losing a win to get in game for the postseason, yet they still get into the postseason as they wind up losing to the St. Louis Cardinals on Sunday by a count of 5-2. What was very intriguing in this one is Brett Anderson, and we know that the state of Wisconsin has had good luck with guys by the name of Brett that throw balls. He did not wind up getting the start that they desired. He gave up two runs over the course of two innings. Freddie Peralta gives up three runs over the course of two innings. If you had the under in this game, well, it was saved by Justin Tapa 
Eric Yardley and Adrian Hauser coming in for a combined four innings of scoreless relief, giving up one in the process. And for the Brewers, they wind up going one of nine with runners in scoring position. It's been the bugaboo for this team all year long. It's for the St. Louis Cardinals. Austin Gomber looks like someone that this team is going to be able to rely upon. I've always felt like he's been given a little bit of short shrift when it comes to the Cardinals. Four innings pitch and in start. He gives up a run. Giovanni Gallegos, two scoreless innings out of the bullpen. Genesis Cabrera gets four outs, and then Alex Reyes wound up giving up a run while recording five outs. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, Harrison Bader had himself a day. A double and his fourth home run the campaign that came off of Freddie Peralta, so the St. Louis Cardinals also advancing to the postseason. They will be playing against the Padres, who are going to be making their first postseason appearance since 2006. Ironically enough, they wound up playing against the Cardinals as they wind up taking down the San Francisco Giants and eliminated them from the postseason by a count of 5-4 to four for the Brewers and the Giants. They both finished with 29-31 and 31 records, but the Brewers held some sort of a tiebreaker. I'm not sure what tiebreaker they had, but congratulations to my home state Milwaukee Brewers on making the postseason. And for the Padres, congratulations on a good regular season for them. They wound up having to go with the bullpen game because Zach Davies had pitched a day before, but Adrian Motohone wound up getting the start in this one. He gives up one run over the course of two and two-thirds innings, and, and this has been the case recently. Recently for Motohone, he wound up giving up a ball that flew over the fence. And the rest of the bullpen, they were pretty good. Yeah, Tim Hill gave up another run out of the bullpen. Austin Adams winds up giving up two runs in one and a third innings. But Matt Stram, a scoreless inning. Dan Altavia winds up giving the team five outs. Emilio Pagan did not get taken deep. He wound up giving the team two outs. And Trevor Rosenthal has become a good closer for this team for the San Francisco Giants. They had a trio of home runs in this one. Going deep off of Mr. Motohone, you had Mr. Mauricio Duban. His fourth home run of the campaign. Wilmer Flores got his 12th of the season that came off the bill, and Brandon Crawford his eighth, but for the San Francisco Giants Drew Smiley wound up being a little bit of a tough luck loser. He wound up giving up a home run in five innings, two total runs, but he punched out ten. Then from there, bullpen was just hurt by the fielding. Evan Longoria, Brandon Belt, pair of errors. As, as a result, you wound up getting two outs from Jarlin Garcia of the bullpen. He gives up three runs, all of which were unearned. Rest of the bullpen winds up being able to go a combined four innings, giving up no runs, including Kevin Gosman coming in for an inning. They were doing everything they could to wind up making the post season, but for the Padres. How about Will Myers, a guy that's had a little bit of injury concern. He winds up going deep off of Mr. Smiley, his 15th home run of the campaign. The NL picture was solidified a little bit further by the fact that the Reds had a chance to be able to help themselves out with regards to that postseason race, and they were able to do so as they wind up going to extras against the Minnesota Twins. They get a 5-3 win in 10 for the Cincinnati Reds. They wind up erupting for three runs in the 10th inning. They were able to do so with small ball, which has been the opposite of the Reds. This is a team that has the worst batting average going into the postseason of any team, but 4 of 9 with runners in scoring position. Sonny Gray, a solid start, 5 and a third innings. He gives up two runs, and then the bullpen from there. With TJ Antone, Amir Garrick giving the team a combined two scoreless innings. Lucas Sims was able to give the team four outs without giving up a run, and Rossiel Iglesias going four outs, giving up a run, but that was the ghost runner that starts on second, so it was an under run, being able to hold down the fort. And for the Minnesota Twins, this was a solid start from Rich Hill. 5 and two thirds innings. He gives up one run. Matt Whistler comes in for a couple outs. Tyler Clipper gave up a run the bullpen, but it was Submergio Romo that blew it for the team as Caleb Theobar wound up giving up one run in the 10th inning. That was the man that starts on second, but Submergio just could not get out of this game. He wound up walking in a runner, and for the Minnesota Twins, they went one of seven men in scoring position. That has certainly been a little bit of an issue for them after they wound up setting a record for most home runs in a season during the 2019 campaign. Another team in the American League playoffs that has been scuffling with their offense, but seems to be picking it up recently. That'd be the Cleveland Windians as they take down the Pittsburgh Pirates by 
count of 8-6. And a congratulations to the Pittsburgh Pirates on acquiring the number one overall pick in the draft as they wind up going 19-41. Worst record in the big leagues. And GT Burbaker looked very solid in the first couple innings of this game, and then it all went to mush. He winds up giving up five runs over the course of five innings, giving up two home runs. Nick Turley gave up three runs out of the bullpen. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, pair of home runs. Cabrian Hayes, someone that you do want to know because this guy wound up hitting 376 with a 442 on base after getting called up to the big leagues. His fifth home run of the campaign that came off of Cal Quantrill wound up starting this game. And then Jose Ozuna winds up getting his fourth home run of the campaign that came off of Cameron Hill, who came in for a third of an inning, gave up two runs, one of which was earned for Cal Quantrill. Three innings. He also gave up two runs, one of which was earned. Nick Wickren seems to be ailing a little bit out there in the bullpen for the Cleveland Indians. He gives up two runs in an inning, but James Karinchek looks solid in his inning. Brad Hand was able to get a four-out save. Adam Simber has been able to hold things down. Oliver Perez enters with a two ERA. And for the Cleveland Indians, Carlos Santana was able to get his eighth home run of the campaign. He winds up closing up the year with a buck 99 batting average and a 349 on base. And then you wind up getting the ninth home run of the campaign for Mr. Framil Reyes. So the Cleveland Indians will be getting the New York Yankees in the postseason. It wound up not getting a home field advantage in the first round of the postseason because they wound up losing to the Miami Marlins on Sunday by a count of 5-0 for the Miami Marlins. Jose Ureña was not long for this game. Two in the third innings. He got into a little bit of danger, but he was able to get out of it. But how about this? This is a very good sign for the Miami Marlins. Daniel Castano. Six in the third innings of relief. He gives up four hits, two walks, but no runs. James White winds up getting the final out in the game. And for the Miami Marlins, pair of home runs in this one. You wind up having Brett Anderson being able to get his 11th home run of the campaign. And then... They wound up getting Jazzy as Jazz Chisholm winds up going yard for his second home run of the campaign for the New York Yankees. This was a little bit of an addition for Clark Schmidt. If you would have told me prior to the 2020 season beginning that Clark Schmidt would start the last game of the regular season for the New York Yankees, I would have told you that you're full of Schmidt, but that's exactly what happened as he gave up three runs over the course of four innings, did not give up any of those home runs. Nick Nelson wound up giving up just one run in three innings of relief, but he did give up one of those bombs, and then Jonathan Older gives up one run in two innings. That was also a solo home run, and for the New York Yankees, they leave eight men on base as they wind up having Aaron Judge not be able to get a hit in this game, so that was a little bit intriguing, so the New York Yankees are unable to get the job done there. A team that was able to get the job done, that'd be the Texas Rangers. They wind up taking down the Houston Astros by a count of 8-4. to four. The Houston Astros, by the way, four runs or fewer in 15 out of their last 18 games. They were able to get some power in this one. Jose Altuve along with Carlos Correa both acquired their fifth home run of the campaign. The home run of Altuve winds up coming off of Jordan Lyles. For Correa, he winds up going deep off of Wes Benjamin. And then you had Mr. Aliermo Diaz going deep off of Jonathan Hernandez. First turn home run of the campaign as the Texas Rangers just throw out there everyone. Jordan Lyles gives up two runs over the course of three innings. Wes Benjamin, he winds up giving up a home run in his inning, but then Taylor Hearn, a scoreless inning along with Colby Allard, Brett Martin, and then Rafael Montero as Jonathan Hernandez also gave up a home run, but for the Texas Rangers, team that has really been bad on offense. Ridan Odor gave the team his ninth and tenth home runs of the campaign, so Odor closes the year with ten home runs and a buck sixty-seven batting averages for the Houston Astros. It was Mr. DeYoung who wound up getting the start as J.C. Young winds up giving up six runs in three and two-thirds innings. You then from there wind up having Nivaldo Rodriguez come in for four innings. He gave up two runs in the process, so this is an Astros team that comes into the postseason limping. The Blue Jays 
come in on a loss as well as they wind up losing to the Baltimore Orioles by a count of 7-5. Keegan Aiken, not the start that the Baltimore Orioles were looking for. He gave up four runs over the course of three innings, but you have to be very encouraged by a Baltimore Orioles bullpen that was actually quite good this year. Trey Lankins gave the team two scoreless innings. Paul Fry, four outs without giving up a run. Hunter Harvey gave the team a pair of outs. You wound up having Cesar Valdez come out of the bullpen. He's like 36 years old from the Mexican Winter Leagues. He went scoreless at John Armstrong wound up giving up a run, but for the Baltimore Orioles, they do all this while going 4 of 12 with men in scoring position, and they certainly got Titan O'Rourke. This is probably someone that the Toronto Blue Jays don't want to be throwing too much in the postseason. He gives up four runs, two of which were earned over the course of four innings, and then from there, Shun Yamaguchi, who came over from the MPB. Well, the transition has up and smooth, as in the regular season, he had an ERA of an 806, gives up three runs in two innings. AJ Cole wound up being able to give the team a solid inning, and then you also got two scoreless innings out of Patrick Murphy. He might be a little bit of a dark horse for this team. And for the Toronto AK Buffalo Blue Jays, Vlad Guerrero Jr., his ninth home run of the campaign, and Lords Goriel Jr., an 11th home run of the campaign. So it was the juniors who got the job done at the plate for the Blue Jays. Too bad that the pitching was not able to. The Mets' pitching certainly did not get the job done, and they are going to be missing the postseason along with the Washington Nationals as the Nets. Take it to the Metropolitans by a count of 15 to 5 for the Mets. This was an absolutely terrible start from Seth Lugo. Someone who showed a lot of promise, but not on this day, gives up six runs. He winds up recording four outs. When you record fewer outs than you give up runs, that's not good. Jason Shreve was able to give the team a pair of outs without giving up a run, which was very unusual because you had Steven Matz, Brad Brock, and Dylan Batances all give up three runs apiece out of the bullpen. Jared Hughes was able to give the team two outs. A Jersich Familia. Typically, Spanish for blown save actually had a decent season. Two scores for him. And for the New York Yankees, you did have Guillermo Radia get his second home run of the campaign. And Pete Alonso goes deep for his 15th and 16th home runs of the campaign. Still a little bit of an underachieving year for Pete Alonso, but he was able to close out a little bit stronger for the Washington Nationals. Austin Voth didn't necessarily deserve the win, but he got it going five innings, giving up four runs, and then you found a little bit of something with his team, and Kyle McGowan, who wound up giving up one run over the course of two innings out of the pen, and then you wound up getting two scoreless innings out of Paolo Espino, as for the Washington Nationals, you were able to get Jan Gomes yard for his fourth home run of the campaign, and Trey Turner down for what? Got his 12th home run of the season, and for the Nationals, Hitting with runners and scoring position was a challenge in 2020. They wind up going 4 of 11 on this day. A team that had a tough time putting up offense all year long was the Arizona Diamondbacks, but they saved some of their best for last as they wind up taking down the Colorado Rockies by a count of 11 to 3 for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Seemed like they couldn't hit off of anyone except for the Rockies and the Houston Astros. As for the Colorado Rockies, Kyle Freeland, he just became a free run in this one. He gave up six runs and recorded seven outs. From there, you wind up having to get three and two-thirds innings out of Ashton Gadu, who wound up giving up one run in the process, so he looked solid, and then you wind up having Mr. Tommy Doyle come in, and he gave up four runs in a third of an inning. He ends the year with a 23-14 ERA, and then you have a 12-46 ERA for Jose Mojica, who winds up coming in for five outs, doesn't give up a run for the Colorado Rockies after a tremendous start, just an absolutely dismal end of the year. I believe that they went something like 13-32 and 32 to end the year. I mean, it was just absolutely incredibly bad for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Cole Callen was able to give the team his 16th home run the campaign. And Madison Bumgarner, who has been a bum all year long, he winds up closing out the year with back-to-back good starts in this one. Five scoreless. You did have, you don't mess with the Johan Lopez, give up three runs out of the bullpen, but they also were able to get some work for Caleb Smith, who they required for Starling Marte, part of the Marte Parte. Two scoreless innings for him. So, a little bit of encouragement for Arizona.
little bit of encouragement for the Boston Red Sox to end the year as they wind up taking down the Atlanta Braves by kind of 9 to 1 for the Boston Red Sox. Whole bunch of home runs in this one. JD Martinez, one of the more underachieving players in 2020. He and Jackie Bradley Jr. may have played his last game for the Boston Red Sox. Both get their seventh home runs of the campaign. Xander Bogarts is 11th. And then you had Jonathan Arus get his first home run of the season. That came off of Josh Shomlin as for the Atlanta Braves. They threw out there a little bit of everyone. Bryce Wilson gave up one run over the course of three innings. Will Smith did not get jiggy with it as he wound up taking the loss and he gave up a run in an inning. Darren O'Day gave up a run in an inning. Shane Green had a scoreless inning, but Luke Jackson, ooh, he gave up five runs over the course of an inning. And then you had Josh Shomlin give up that home run for the Atlanta Braves. They strained 10 men on base for the Boston Red Sox. Perhaps they found something in Nick Pavetta. Two good starts for this team ever since they acquired him at the trade deadline for a couple bullpen pieces in Eth Embry and Brandon Workman. For Pavetta, he winds up giving up one run over the course of five innings, and then Ryan Weber, Darwinson Hernandez, along with Mike Kickham, all come out of the bullpen for a combined four innings of scoreless relief. And the team that wound up acquiring those bullpen pieces, the Philadelphia Phillies, well, congratulations to them on getting completely shut up by the Tampa Bay Rays by a count of 5-0. Rays are going to be the number one seed out there in the American League. We're going to be talking about that a little bit later with our good buddy Danny Burke, but for the Tampa Bay Rays, 4-10 of 10 with men in scoring position. For the Philadelphia Phillies, they wind up going 1-4 with men in scoring position, and for Aaron Supernola, not a superstar. As the Phillies, if they would have won this game, I believe would have actually been in the postseason. If not, they would have at the very least been in some sort of a tiebreak, but he winds up giving up three runs over the course of three and two-thirds innings. Hector Neris gives up two runs out of the bullpen while recording four outs. Zach Eflin was pretty Eflin good, giving up no runs in two and two-thirds innings, but for the Tampa Bay Rays, Josh Fleming was able to give a solid start. Six innings, gives up no runs. That's going to be a key piece for this team. And then what else is going to be key is this bullpen. It's Aaron Loop, Ryan Sheriff, Oliver Drake, all scoreless settings for the Tampa Bay Rays as they get the job done in that one. The Oakland A's get the job done against the Seattle Mariners by a count of 62 for Seattle. Certainly some good signs for this team, and Marco Gonzalez was one of them. He winds up closing out the year with a K to walk rate that is right around 10. Five innings pitch, he gives up two runs. It was Yoshi Hirano who really wound up giving it up, though. He gives up three runs while recording just one out going deep for the Oakland A's. Off of Mr. Yoshi Hirano, that would be Jake Lamb. Mr. Dome around the campaign. The A's are hoping that he's able to provide a little bit of something in the post season for the A's. They do wind up leaving 11 men on base, but what is even bigger for this team, Frankie Montas, who had given up four plus runs in five out of his last six starts. He looked tremendous in this one. He did give up two runs, but both of which were unearned. Marcus Simeon and Mr. Lamb, who wound up hitting that home run, both committed errors, but 13 strikeouts. He has Merrill Petit, Jake Diekman, Luke Trevino. They wind up coming in for a school of setting a piece, and for the Seattle Mariners, they just weren't able to get anything generated as they go two of six with Ben in scoring position after they were able to take a double dip on Saturday against the Oakland A's. The LA Dodgers just continue their just absolute terror of the league. They end the season 43-17, and taking down the LA Angels by a count of 5-0. For the Angels, Patrick Sandoval wound up going for two and two-thirds innings, giving up three runs, two of which weren't. Bullpen actually wasn't bad. Heath Milner wound up giving up two runs, but Luke Bard, Cam Bedrosian, Jacob Barnes, Ensel Robles wound up closing the year on high notes, but for the LA Angels, just nothing doing on offense. A combined three hits in a bullpen game for the Dodgers. Dustin May wound up having pretty much Victor Gonzalez come in as an opener from for Dustin May. Four scoreless innings, Victor Gonzalez scoreless inning. Pedro Baez, Blake Tryon, Brasuda, Gratal, and Kenley Jansen all got the job done. And for the Dodgers, two home runs from A.J. Pollock. 15th and 16th of the campaign. Dodgers have just continued to roll. And a team that all of a sudden is rolling, that would be the Chicago Cubs. They wind up taking down the Southsiders of the Chicago White Sox by a count of 10-6. For the Chicago Cubs, 
And Bear Alzoli wound up giving the team actually a very good start. He's been a highly touted prospect for the Cubs. He winds up giving up one run over the course of five innings, punching out eight. Now, the bullpen of the Cubs entered into this day with the best bullpen ERA over the last 30 days out there in the big leagues. Certainly didn't live up to it here as Dwayne Underwood Jr. gave up two runs in an inning. And then Braylon Marquez made his MLB debut, and he now has a 67-50 ERA, giving up five runs in two-thirds of an inning. Andrew Chafin wound up coming in for the save. And for the Chicago Cubs, very encouraging that Billy Hamilton got a home run. If you're noticing the pause there, I am in shock. Billy Hamilton who has just been absolutely anemic, gets a home run. Folks, the end is near. Meanwhile, Chris Bryant gets his fourth home run of the campaign. David Bodie gets his seventh. And for the Chicago White Sox, they were able to play a little bit of deep ball as well. Adam Engel, his third home run of the campaign that came off a low slide. And then you wind up having Yasmani Grandal being able to collect his eighth home run of the campaign as Rinaldo Lopez. Looks like he was turning things around for the Chicago White Sox. Ooh, this was a damper to that. He winds up giving up six runs, and he recorded four outs. You had Jace Fry come out of the bullpen for two and a third innings. He gave up a run in the process. Jimmy Cordero, three runs, two of which were in. I believe he was ejected from this game. It might have been a different White Sox reliever, but that's something to note. But Matt Foster came in for two innings. He looked very solid. Chio Gonzalez is out coming out of the bullpen as well, so that is a little bit entertaining. So you've got a little bit of that going on. And you just have a little bit of everything going on when it comes to Major League Baseball right now. And these two teams won't be a part of it moving forward. The Kansas City Royals take down the Detroit Tigers by kind of 3-1. to one. Though for the Tigers, very encouraging that Dreek Skubal did not look bad in this one. Jordan Zimmer served as an opener. Five innings for Skubal. He winds up giving up two runs of the process. From there, Daniel Norris gave up around the bullpen. But by and large, the Detroit Tigers, despite going 23-35, and 35, they showed some signs of life. They certainly didn't look good on offense, though. They got three as Brady Singer, an absolutely tremendous start. He looks like he's going to be a stud for the Kansas City Royals. Seven innings pitch. He gave up one run. He had a no-hit bid about two or three weeks ago against the Cleveland Indians. From there, Scott Barlow, Jesse Hahn, they were able to close the door. And for the Kansas City Royals, Adelberto Mondesi winds up getting his sixth home run the campaign. I believe five have come in the last three weeks. He was able to put it together late. And Ryan McBroon, he gets his sixth home run of the campaign as well. So that's what we all noticed from Major League Baseball on Sunday. Now we've got to take a look at the postseason. We're going to be doing this in two parts with our good buddy Danny Burke of the Vegas Edison Information Network. On the other side, I'm going to be taking a look at the American League playoff picture with him. And then in the final segment, we're going to be looking at the National League playoff picture. So two-part conversation with Danny is coming up on the other side right here on the Baseball Vegas Podcast. Myself, Craig Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. We are back here in Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson, and it's great to be joined by our next guest as this man does absolutely terrific work with the Vegas Ads and Information Network. He is now the host of a Rush Hour, which you can hear every Monday through Friday on the Vegas Ads and Information Network, a.k.a. Visa. It's all over the place, obviously. You've got SiriusXM going up, then you've got Fugo TV, Sling TV, what have you, and you're able to follow this man at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. That is all together. And as it is, Danny Burke joining me on the podcast. And by the way, for those of you guys looking for Rush Hour, that is from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. And Danny, always great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. Man, I love the introduction, Greg. But no, I'm happy to be on. We got some postseason baseball to get ready for. And uh, look, the season, it was only 60 games. It did feel a little bit longer than that, in my opinion. But no, I think it's going to be some great betting opportunities in this postseason. Honestly, even more so than the regular season. But I can't wait for it to get going, man. 
I agree, and as we're doing this, obviously, with it being Sunday night, there's no lines available on any of these games, so no worries there, but I do think it's very fascinating that two sub-500 teams wound up making it into the playoffs, one of which is out there in the National League, my beloved Milwaukee Brewers, and the other one is a team that we know very well, the Houston Astros. They're going to be taking on the Minnesota Twins. Minnesota's going to be going with Kenta Maeda, their stud pitcher in the first game of the series. It's going to be a best of three for all of these. And when it comes to this round of the postseason, all these games are going to be played at the home ballparks of the higher-rated teams, or I should say the better-seeded teams. I think that that's a little bit of a better way of putting it, but it's going to be kind of Maeda going in game one for the Minnesota Twins. At this point, the Houston Astros, just a big old TBD, and I've got a lot of concerns with the Houston Astros. This is a bunch that they scored four runs or fewer, and I believe 15 out of their last 18 games. I mean, this is a team that... The big concern with me was really their bullpen and their pitching, but it's actually been okay. I'm just wondering where the world the offense is, and even with Minnesota scuffling themselves a little bit, I just don't know if there's any way that these and Astros are going to be able to pull this one off. Yeah, Greg, I'm in agreement with you, too. You know, this Astros team was just so frustrating this season, and, I mean, a lot of us kind of expected them to go on a decline just because of everything that happened in the offseason, you know, just everything surrounding that and, and just the nature of it, but... Really, they caught a break in the sense that they didn't have to deal with the road fans and getting taunted left and right in that regard. But honestly, this team just still feels like they got a huge dark cloud over their head, regardless of what's happening. Somehow, like you said, not having a winning record, they still find themselves in the postseason now with the expanded playoffs. And you would want to look at an Astros team like in some situations during the regular season that I didn't thought, okay, this is a pretty short price, decent value relatively on a team that obviously isn't too far removed from the World Series. And really, they just didn't live up to the offense that we've seen in the past. Maybe it's because they weren't cheating again, and that's probably what it is. That's a big part of it. But really, when it comes down to it, I just don't see how you can back them either because I was on the same side as you. I thought the bullpen and pitching really were kind of going to be the issue for this team, but that hasn't been the case necessarily. It's just this offense that they can't find clicking whatsoever. So, I have no confidence with them whatsoever. And the Twins on the same side, like they have good enough starting pitching to get through this first round, and we know how powerful their offense can be at any given game. I'd have a tough time wanting to back Houston in this series. Would definitely look the way of Kentamaya and the Twins, not only in Game 1, but the Twins overall in the series. Yeah, I'm right there with you, and you speak of good pitching, and that's exactly what we're going to find in Game 1 of this series between the Cleveland Indians and the New York Yankees. The Indians are going to be coming in the higher-seeded team, so they're going to have home field advantage. But this really feels like a series that we should not be seeing this early because you've got Shane Bieber going up against Garrett Cole in Game 1. Who knows what you're going to be getting the rest of the series, but this is a Cleveland team that they've actually come alive a little bit more when it comes to the bats. I mean, it certainly isn't ideal, but I believe that they scored four-plus runs in seven out of their last 11 games to be able to close out the regular season. So they've been able to show a heartbeat there. Garrett Cole pitched much better towards back half the year. And Jay Bieber, in my opinion, is going to win the American League Cy Young 8-1 record, 163 RA, 122 strikeouts at 77 and a third innings. This is really the most intriguing series for me out there in the American League. I know that A's versus White Sox is also going to be a good one, but I think whoever wins the series has a very real shot of being able to represent the World Series. 100%. I'm on the same page with you. This is the one I'm looking forward to most, probably. And it's such a tough handicap, really, because both of these teams were very hot toward the end of the season here. But you look at the Indians, like you said, yes, they finally picked it up offensively, but is that going to be able to carry over to the postseason? Because if you look at it consistently, we know the Yankees had their troubles, but then they just went on this insane run a week or two ago, whatever it was. 
And you just got to think that the Yankees are going to pull it together in this series. At least that's what I kind of look at it as. And yes, the Indians have fantastic pitching themselves, but it's really just that. I don't know if I've seen enough to want to back Cleveland offensively in this spot. And, you know, from a game-to-game basis, you got to imagine that the totals are going to be really low, not only for this series, but typically how it is in the postseason, just because you're putting your aces out there and the games are played a little bit more tightly. But from a game-to-game basis, this will be a fun one to see where these totals are at, where the sides are, because I think there's going to be a lot of good value, regardless which team you're backing in these spots. I think it's going to be a little bit more of an advantage to New York in this spot, Greg. And look, it's not like I'm saying this with 100% certainty here because of just how good the Indians are with their pitching. But at the end of the day, I think the offense is going to come to fruition for New York, and I think that's going to be the piece to the puzzle that really puts them over the top of the Indians. That's just the big area that Cleveland's been missing out on this year. If they had that more consistently, we'd be having a much different conversation, but that's just not the case. So I think the Bronx Bombers get the job done. I mean, even if the Indians had mediocre offense, we'd be looking at just a complete (laughs) another juggernaut that could really knife through the World Series as we do have Danny Burke of Beeson joining me on the podcast. And then the other series that really hasn't been mentioned as we talked a little bit about White Sox versus A's, and I think that's going to be intriguing, but at the same time, I don't know if it's quite Yankees versus Indians. And that's, in my opinion, the two teams with really the most intriguing look here with the Tampa Bay Rays. I feel like they're the most steady team in the postseason. You sort of know what you're going to get. They're never going to just completely explode and be able to knock off the Yankees when they're at full force. But at the same time, you're never going to get such a bad performance from the Tampa Bay Rays that they just look completely anemic. Meanwhile, with the Toronto, a.k.a. Buffalo Blue Jays, this is a team that on any given day can win or lose by like 15 to nothing. I think that that's going to be intriguing. Blake Sell is going to be going in game one for the Rays to be determined for the Toronto Blue Jays. But I really think that if the Toronto Blue Jays play their best baseball, they have a chance of being able to win this. At the same time, they might find themselves in a series in which you're outscored by like 20 to 5. And that's why this one's so hard to handicap at this point, Greg, because you just don't know what performance you're going to get out of the Blue Jays. This was a team that everyone, kind of like the Padres in a sense, thought they would be a young, exciting team that could just have a lot of momentum in this unique season. And that's what happened. But then they kind of hit a dud toward the end. So I don't know what team I'm going to get out of Toronto. And yes, at any given point, they can just absolutely explode. Is it going to happen against this good starting rotation and bullpen that Tampa Bay has? I'd probably lean toward no. But once again, this is one I probably wouldn't look for a series price necessarily. I just look for it more on a game-to-game basis. But you got to imagine that the Rays have the edge here just because of the overall consistency. And that's what it comes down to in this postseason, right? It's who can be the most consistent, who's getting hot at the right time. And you just don't know what kind of temperature you're going to get with this Blue Jays team that can go from being hot and cold on any given night. So I obviously lean toward the Rays based off of all that. It's not like a surprising pick just based on how good Tampa Bay's been. But look, I, I think the Blue Jays aren't going to make it easy by any stretch of the imagination. So I like Tampa for the series, but it's not going to be a simple one. I mean, they're going to make them work for it. It's probably going to be some high-scoring battles, but I think the Rays do have the edge. I agree, and if I'm seeing some plus prices with the Toronto Blue Jays, especially if Tywell Walker's going... I might wind up taking a shot in at least one of those games with the Blue Jays. Mm -hmm. Certainly going to be interesting to see how those all shake out. And now that we've looked at all the teams for the American League Series, I know that we didn't necessarily go as in-depth on the Oakland A's versus the Chicago White Sox Series, but I do think that that one is going to be very fascinating as well. We are going to be taking a look at the National League side of things with our good friend Danny Burke on the other side right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson.
Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. We are back here in Lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson, being rejoined by my good friend with the Vegas Ads and Information Network, Danny Burke. He is hosting a new show from Bet Rivers, actually, in the city of Chicago in the state of Illinois. It is called Rush Hour. That is 6 to 7 p.m. Central every Monday through Friday, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern. If you're looking Pacific, 4 to 5. If you're looking at Hawaiian time or anything like that, you're on your own. But with that said, he also does the show Bet on Chicago, which you can hear on 8.90 a.m. WLS every single Saturday out there in the Chicagoland area. And we touched on the American League series on the other side, Danny. Now let's dive into the National League series. The Chicago Cubs, surprisingly, in my opinion, have been a little bit better when it comes to their offense on the road as compared to at home. We saw it in their last series against the Chicago White Sox. They were able to put up runs upon runs. And then you take a look at the Miami Marlins that are coming in. Talk about a team that's had to go through adversity. That's the Miami Marlins. First postseason appearance for them in over 15 years. Last time the Marlins and the Cubs hooked up in the playoffs, you wound up having the whole Bartman situation. So you certainly have a whole lot that's going on there. But with that said, the Miami Marlins have been able to do a good job of just piecemealing things together. They don't necessarily jump off the page in one statistical category, but the bullpen's okay. The starting pitching has been pretty solid. You've been able to get things out of guys like Brett Anderson, Jesus Aguiar and company. I think that this is such a fascinating series because I actually think that the Cubs pitching at home is dynamite. We've talked about Kyle Hendricks and it's just absolutely ridiculous home splits at Wrigley, but this is a team that I don't know how, I don't know why, but when they're away from Wrigley, they it's so much better than when they're at home. Greg, that's really just how this team has been ever since 2016. They're just such an anomaly, and you don't know what you're going to get from them, and they perform well in weird situations. That's just what they do. And like you said with this series, too, I mean, you're catching the Marlins at a tough time, honestly. A lot of people that I've talked to just anecdotally are thinking that this is going to be pretty easy for the Cubs, but I think that's just because they look at it from the broad spectrum of, oh, it's the Marlins. You know, they're just happy to be here. But no, really, this team is a lot better than they look. And just from, you know, your typical glance. So I am not running to the counter with confidence with this Cubs team whatsoever. Yes, they finally started picking up their bats against the Sox this past series. But remember, they just lost, what, three in a row against Pittsburgh this past week, too? Like, yeah, Chris Bryant's finally getting his bat to get going, but this offense can just never get it clicking simultaneously. It's always like a group of guys together, and not all of them, though. You'll get Chris Bryant going off, but then Rizzo will get cold. You know, Baez, he's had a really tough year, and then Contreras sometimes will step up, and then sometimes not. So they're just such a hard team to read. And being a diehard Cubs fan myself, I'm just kind of just ready for any disappointment right now because we've seen it happen post-2016, even when they didn't make the playoffs. So... Look, if the Marlins do make this competitive and it goes deep in this first round, even though it's not as many games, that's not going to blow my mind by any means. But at the same time, Greg, I mean, we know what this Cubs offense is capable of. So if they do put the smack down too, that's something that's not going to shock me. I think honestly, as a Cubs fan, I'm probably going to stay away from betting this game just because I need to get a feel of just what Cubs team we're going to get in this postseason because they are a different beast in the playoffs. That is true. But then again, you look at a guy like John Lester, who we've talked about so many times, who has probably been a profitable guy until the end. He started picking it up, but he was profitable to fade for the most part. But playoff John Lester is a different beast. You Darvish is on a different level. And Kyle Hendricks is also a different guy in the postseason. This is a veteran laden team 
that is ready for this environment. So look, it's going to be a tough test for the Marlins, that's for sure. But I think it's going to be an exciting series. I'm not going to be shocked if the Marlins keep it close. I agree. I do think that the Marlins have went under the radar all year long, especially by me early on. I wound up warming up to this team a little bit more. You speak about them just being a little bit more than happy to be there. This is a team that should be very, very happy to be in the postseason. And I'd be shocked if we wind up seeing an upset in this one. That'd be my home state, Milwaukee Brewers. They're going to be going up against the LA Dodgers. They have Corbin Burns currently on the injured list, who is supposed to pitch a game one. This means that you're probably going to get either Josh Lindblom or Brent Suter going up against Walker Buehler. The Milwaukee Brewers have been terrible on offense, hitting as a collective under 225. And apparently, according to the broadcast a couple days ago, Daniel Vogelback was saying in the game, despite getting decapitated, it was one of the most hilarious things ever because they wind up having the virtual fans you wind up cutting off whatever's in color. So it was a head, it was a headless Daniel Vogelback on deck for the Milwaukee Birds. Somehow, some way, he's going to be playing in the postseason. Despite that, we respect his heart. But with that said, taking a look at this series, I think that this is the biggest slam dunk out there. The Dodgers should be able to light up the Milwaukee Birds. I will say the Birds have the potential to be able to win a game because you can have Devin Williams along with Josh Hader be able to throw a bunch of innings, but. I mean, this is an uphill battle for the Brewers. Yeah, Greg, I'm sorry, man. I know it's your squad, but I completely agree with you. I think this is a little bit too lopsided in this spot. Yes, the Brewers' bullpen and starting pitching. I mean, you talk about Burns, who's been really solid, but just the bullpen in general, how they have been the past couple of seasons is really the strength of this team. But offensively, man, they cannot get it going whatsoever. I mean, just from the start, talk about a team that's fortunate to be here. I thought they were just... I was down on them going into the season, but I didn't think it was going to be that bad, I guess I would say. But, you know, and somehow they still end up in this postseason. They get the tough draw with the Dodgers, who probably, let's be realistic, are going to have a very relatively easy path to the World Series is what a lot of people, including myself, are assuming. But look, Greg, there's a good chance your boys get swept in this postseason first round. So I think that's probably what's going to happen. Obviously, there's not really going to be that great of value on the Dodgers from a game-to-game basis, but there's always the opportunities for looking at team total runs. First five, as we talk about so many times, look, if somehow the Brewers get some offense, which I find highly unlikely, then they can make it a little bit more interesting of a series, but I just don't envision that happening. I think it's going to be Dodgers all the way. Completely agree with you. If the Brewers win a single game whatsoever, the team should be popping spotted cow out there in the locker room because, I mean, I just don't see it happening as we do have Danny Burke of Eason. Great show with Rush Hour that he's hosting right now, joining me on the podcast. Surprisingly, there's a team with a worse batting average that comes from the same division as in the postseason. That'd be the Cincinnati Reds. They're going to be going up against the Atlanta Braves. I've been hearing from everyone that the Reds are a team that you don't want to play, and Trevor Bauer is going to be going in game one against Max Fried. Obviously, no numbers up on this game. No numbers up on this game, but you've got two polar opposites when it comes to the offense. The Atlanta Braves, so many guys are lighting it up. Adam Duvall had two, three home run games for this team. Freddie Freeman, in my opinion, should be up for NL MVP. He's been that good. You've obviously got Ronald Cunha Jr. And then for the Cincinnati Reds, like everyone on this team is hitting 250 or lower, but you've got great starting pitching. I'm not sure how you take a look at this one, but I have to give the edge here to the Atlanta Braves because... I do look at the Reds, and certainly they have a good rotation, but they're 31-29 and 29 for a reason, in my opinion. Yeah, Greg, I'm on the same page with you here on this one. And I think I saw the series price, actually. I was trying to find it again, but couldn't get it. Um, but I think it was actually kind of neck and neck in this series because, like you said, the Reds, yeah, probably a team you don't want to face in the postseason. Remember, this team was probably the second highest team that everybody fell in love with in the offseason. It was the White Sox. 
and then it was the Reds. But the Reds really couldn't just get it clicking at any point throughout the season. Nevertheless, they're still here in the postseason. So they have the capability of having that stardom and coming alive here in October. But I just don't think it's going to be enough against Atlanta with an offense that's just been completely dominant especially as of late with a couple MVP candidates like you alluded to potentially. So I think there's a really good opportunity with the series price, if it's if I'm not mistaken of where it was at. I think that's a great spot with Atlanta here, Greg. And yeah, Trevor Bauer has been fantastic. Don't get me wrong. But look, it's only a matter of time before the Braves get around to hitting on him or whoever they throw out there on the mound, whoever it may be. I think there's a really good spot for Atlanta to get some decent value with them, not only in the series, but probably a game-to-game basis as well. And there's finally some rest for a team that I've been talking about a lot on this podcast, whether or not the wheels would fall off. That'd be the St. Louis Cardinals, but their reward is going up against the San Diego Padres, a darling for everyone right now. They're going to have to travel out to the West Coast. Now with the Padres, there obviously are very much injury concerns when it comes to starting rotation. Mike Clevenger is highly unlikely to be pitching in the opening round of the postseason. Denelson Lamette wound up leaving his last start early, but Things actually seem to be very promising with that. And even with that as well, what we know about the San Diego Padres is that their bullpen at the beginning of the year was not very good. Over the last 30 days, second best bullpen in the league. Ironically enough, number one is the Chicago Cubs over the last 30 days going into this postseason. I take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals. They've been able to get some nice performances, but you really don't have a lot of power on the team. I believe Brad Miller with seven home runs wound up leading the team. And with the San Diego Padres, we know that they are slam Diego for a reason. I think the Padres should be able to take this one. I just think that they're the more complete team. I don't know if you see anything different. I mean, God bless the Cardinals for going through everything that they went through. But I think that this is going to be pretty much a two and done for them because I think they lose both games. Yeah, I do too. And look, we had talked about this before, Greg, a while back. I just took a short flyer on uh, the Cardinals to win the NL Central just because so many times we've seen them come alive toward the end of a season. Now, granted, that's been when it's 162-game season. But this Cardinals team really was just catching all the wrong breaks. It just kind of fell from the wayside. I mean, we talk about offenses that haven't come alive. The Cardinals are a team that really never found a rhythm. And I don't trust their starting pitching necessarily as much as I did a year ago. And their bullpen always can be rocky. And look, the Padres are almost America's darling team as of this point. I think it's going to be a pretty easy go about for the Padres here as well. I'm seeing about minus 175 on the series price. The Cardinals plus 145. You don't necessarily like to lay the minus 175. So that could be better than what you're going to get on the game-to-game basis potentially. So look, I think it's going to be Padres all the way as well. And the Padres, obviously, as we're all kind of assuming have the potential to make a deep run in this postseason, if not make a deep run, go long in their series. But I think it's going to be an easy one in round one against the Cardinals, who I just have no faith in whatsoever. They've just really been an ugly team with nothing too impressive to show for at all during this season. Yeah, I don't have any faith in the Cardinals here whatsoever. I have a lot more faith in Danny Burke being able to provide absolutely terrific shows for the Vegas Ads Information Network. You now do Rush Hour every Monday through Friday. You also do Bet on Chicago every Saturday, a show that I have had the great privilege of being on a few times. You can hear that more on 790 AM in the Chicagoland area. I know that you're doing absolutely terrific work, Danny. So let the good people at home know what you're all working on in general and how they're able to follow along on social media. Absolutely. Appreciate it, Greg. At Danny Burke 5 is where you could follow me on Twitter. Like you said, 6 to 7 <laughs> Central Time for Rush Hour. Monday through Friday at the Rivers Casino at the Bet River Sportsbook. So if you're in the area, feel free to stop by and say what's up. And then like Greg said, to 8.90 a.m. Saturday nights. Be sure to catch that out from 7 to 8. And then Sunday, local Fox, we do props and locks looking over the Sunday slate, 10 a.m. 
on local Fox if you are in the Chicagoland area as well. Just staying busy all over the place like yourself, Greg. And Danny does a great job of not just staying busy, but being productive while staying busy, which is always the key. So a big thanks to Danny Burke for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. And if you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And if you ever have any questions for the podcast, feel free to either fire that in by Twitter timeline at GRS41 or send it in by an Apple Podcast review rate this podcast five stars and you'll help spread the word about the baseball betting podcast with myself greg peterson obviously no touch of all today just due to no games but that'll be coming our way once again tomorrow once we've got lines up on these low season games so hopefully you're all safe healthy and doing well i will catch you guys then thank you so much for tuning in